0: Hello, you are listening to episode 198 of the Blended Family Podcast, and we're actually getting ready for the 200th episode here, which is really exciting. I think I mentioned last time, and I also posted in some of the groups, that what I'd really like to do is get everybody a little bit involved in that show. And what I want is for you guys to just send me Maybe your top tip, something that really helped you that you heard on the show, something that you learned, something, something even maybe that you just love about the podcast. It doesn't matter, but just send that to me, Melissa at Blended Family Podcast uh, is the email, or you can send it in a Facebook message. What I really would like you guys to do, uh, at least some of you, if you could send me a voicemail on SpeakPipe, and that would be SpeakPipe dot com slash blended family podcast and those links are always in the show notes for you but what I love about the voicemail idea is that I can take your voicemail and I can put it on the show so you guys can all get to hear those which I think would be really really fun but it won't work without your participation so if you go to that speak pike link it is not hard to do it is really just maybe a 30 second little clip that you'll send and I think you get to redo it if you don't like the way it sounds so um, it could be really fun so I hope that lots and lots of you participate but any is fine. So uh, let's see, moving on. Mother's Day is next week. So I'm not sure yet about the show, um, what I'm doing there yet. I'm still working on that. But what I wanted to tell you is to make sure that you're honoring all of the mothers. So that is stepmoms and bio moms, I really think that it's super important that you take the time to recognize. Now, I know that not everyone gets along with the bio mom or the stepmom in your life, and that's okay. Um, but sometimes it's just nice to even maybe let the kids know that they need to do something. Because a lot of times with the young kids is they don't think of these things on their own, right? They're not going to think, I need to make my stepmom something or my mom something. So it really becomes up to the other parents in that child's life to make sure that that stuff is being handled. So if you're a dad listening, then that's definitely your responsibility too, but it doesn't hurt. Listen, if you don't want to get something for the bio mom or the stepmom, you can at least try to encourage the kids to make a card or something because- it is important for kids to understand that they do need to recognize both, but it was just brought to my attention, and, and I feel silly for not even knowing this, that we do have a stepmom day as well. Did you guys know that? It's exactly one week after Mother's Day, so uh, if, if you do want to separate those, you can actually do that. What's funny is we realized at least we have not found that there is a stepfather's day, which I think is a little bit strange, but there is a stepmom's day and it is next, the following Sunday. So mother's day is the 12th and stepmom's day is the 19th. Regardless of when you decide to celebrate, make sure that you do celebrate and make sure that you honor that special person. And, uh, and then give yourself a little bit of a break too. And if you didn't get the recognition that you want this year it's okay. Do something for yourself to love yourself. Um, Not everybody always recognizes us in the way that we want to, and there's nothing we can really do about that. So just make sure that if you don't get recognized, do something for yourself. So I don't have a financial tip of the week today. I'm not going to really do those on our expert interview days. I'm really trying to get back on the schedule that I was on a while ago, which was every first Monday of the month was the expert interview. And then, um, of course, I had some different topics for the rest of the month. So no finance tip today, but there will be a giveaway. And I know I've been slacking in that department too, right? Because I haven't been doing a regular schedule. So I'm really trying to get back on track. And I feel like things are really coming together for us. And things are starting to calm down in certain areas. We haven't gotten less busy but um, things are pulling together and hopefully we'll be a little bit less stressed. And so with that, I'm going to be doing a giveaway today. So make sure you stay tuned at the end of the show. And today will be a book uh, that you're definitely going to want, especially after you hear this interview. I have such a great guest. This is going to be such an amazing show for you guys, uh, especially if you're dealing with a toxic person in your life. And that person doesn't have to be an ex, although I know many of you, that is the case. Uh, but it could be anybody. It could be a parent, a sibling, a child, family member, friend, doesn't matter. This book is really going to help you with that. And it's wonderful. And so just make sure you stay tuned at the end. Now, um, For those of you who want to be involved in that, all you have to do is be a member of the list, and that, again, all the links are in the show notes, but you are going to go to blendedfamilypodcast.com slash subscribe, and when you do that, you'll be automatically entered in to these monthly giveaways that I want to get back to, which will always be the first show of the month. And, uh, so make sure you come and find us there and I don't spam you. I just send out one Monthly newsletter a month. That is all for right now. Uh, It's a good way for me to get you guys updated on any new events or announcements, as well as uh, anything else we have here going on. And you will also get a free quiz when you join. So make sure you do that. And without further ado, we're going to get right to this interview today with my guest, Dr. Sherry Campbell. I hope you guys enjoy. Today's guest is Dr. Sherry Campbell, a licensed psychologist, inspiring author, and nationally recognized expert who's featured regularly on TV and radio, as well as Daily Mail, Huffington Post, and entrepreneur. Dr. Campbell earned her PhD in clinical psychology in 2003, and since then, she's treated personality disorders, depression, anxiety disorders, addiction, and thought disorders. But today, she's here to talk about her book titled, But It's Your Family, Cutting Ties with Toxic Family Members and Loving Yourself in the Aftermath. Welcome to the show, Sherry. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, of course. I'm actually really, really excited about having you. When I saw your book, um, I realized that this is a topic that really is going to be very relevant for all of my listeners. And the thing of it is, is... Whether or not we were raised in a toxic environment or whether we had toxic parents, it doesn't matter because with blended families, it's very often the case where our stepchildren maybe were raised by a toxic parent or our new partner maybe has an ex who was toxic.
1: So I really think that this is going to be valuable for everybody, don't you think? Oh, I absolutely think so. And I can identify with everything you just said, even outside my toxic family as a I'm in that si- blended family situation as well. So you are Oh, good. Well, we'll yes. talk about that. Yes. I didn't know that. Um, but the first thing I want to do really is
0: I want to get your personal story because I did read the book, of course, and I know that you have a background and and you're an expert in this because of your, not just your education or your experience, but because you've lived it. So why don't you share with us a little bit about that?
1: Well, I was raised in, in a very toxic family and, um, uh, I would say the hardest person for me was probably my mother, um, which, you know, the mom is such an important uh, key person in developing the identity of, of of a child. So the mother is usually always the hardest and the one that we hang on to the longest. Um, we also get a sense that she's the most vulnerable, uh, you know, women abuse in, in slightly different ways than men. But I was confused and and my life was confusing and maddening and I It would make me angry and then I would stand up for myself and I would be told I was the abuser And so we believe our parents and I didn't have any knowledge on how to Make that not true. I guess deep inside of me. I knew it wasn't true. But I couldn't prove it <laughs> um on top of that my mother's very charming and and um, so are my sibling and father. And so it all sort of looked good from the outside. Um, and I was the scapegoat, not the golden child. And uh, always wished I could have been that golden child. But I'm very thankful as an adult now that I, I never was because it's very hard for the golden child to escape because they never question the dynamics in the family whereas I did. And I got help. And um, then the research let me down. Melissa, I will say that I did so much research and it would all validate me. Yes, this is, you know, toxic. And I would read the traits. Yes, it's my, my mom, my dad, or my sibling. And no one ever gave me permission to take care of myself. It was like, okay, stay connected to the family and go be your independent self and get your emotional needs met outside of it. And so I felt uh, it must be morally wrong to cut ties if I needed to. And at some point, I just didn't have a choice.
0: Wow. wow. So, so you decided from everything that you went through in your life, um, when did you decide that this would be a good idea? Was this therapeutic for you? Or did it come later on after years of work, seeing other people go through it? What, what prompted you to write the book?
1: What prompted me to write the book is, is that I cut ties with father and sibling at 42, And a brief uh, cutting of ties with my mother uh, at that same day and time. Um, Then a a certain tragedy happened in my personal life and I reached back for her. And it took me four more years to cut ties with her. I I, I will just say that I, I, I cannot heal in an environment that's poisoning me. And once that became clear that, that this kind of dynamic was going to continue over and over and over and over and over, and over again, um, I knew that the only way to take care of me was to cut ties and it was not done to hurt, harm, or hate them. It was just done for the sole purpose of protecting myself. Absolutely. So
0: Absolutely. writing the
1: book came out of A request, actually, (laughs) from a publishing company. And then I had to really think about, do I really want to do this? Because it's not going to serve me. It's going to actually really put me up against what I worked so hard to leave. Um, But I do blog to over 100,000 Facebook followers on Facebook on this topic. And I just realized that there's so many people that need this information and is coming from an author who's not writing just about her clients that she works with, but one who's actually truly suffered it. Um, I would not want to follow a leader who'd never suffered. They would never know how to help me on the front lines. And so I just want to bring value. The book is really not for me. Um, It's really just to bring value to others that are like me that don't have a voice. Well, that's amazing. And I really appreciate that. And I always think that that's so,
0: so powerful when people can use the experiences of their life and turn it into something something else where they can really help people. And it's so funny because I was reading the book and I kept I kept getting to parts and I was reading it to my husband because it, it's just... When you can recognize that in someone, and I don't need to share names, but I know I've been around toxic people in my life um, and and recently. And so to recognize things that you wrote in the book, and I'm like, wow, I can't believe it. It's like, it feels like she wrote that book for these people that I know. That's that's what I really felt like. And I feel like anybody reading the book that knows somebody like this, it, it feels like you're talking directly to us. That's, that's what I took out of it. And it was so funny too, because at one point I thought, Am I a toxic parent? You know, that goes through your yeah. head because I've got four teenagers that I'm raising and it's not easy. And, but you know, and for anybody out there listening that, that, that goes through your mind for one brief second, no, you're not a toxic parent if you have to ask yourself if you're a toxic parent. That's just my opinion. If, if you're questioning it and, and you want to do good as a parent, you're not a toxic parent. But we all, I'm sure we all know somebody, um, in our life, whether it's a parent, a sibling, a family member, a friend, an ex,
1: doesn't matter. So um, yeah. go ahead. I agree. I agree. I agree to the nth degree. It's, um, you know, there's such a difference between flawed and toxic as healthy parents, we're always going to hurt. We're going to hurt our children. You know, we're going to have days we're not 100% emotionally available and in the best mood. The difference is, is that when a healthy parent hurts their child, they feel horrible. You know, they, they go right. and they repair the shame. They explain why they acted the way that they did. Um, and they repair, whereas a toxic parent just doesn't care and in fact they enjoy the power of seeing okay. that they can hurt someone so deeply. yeah, the control and I want
0: the reason I'm really mostly excited about this interview today is because there are so many children, you know, because we're all blended families it's not just for the adults that need help. And that is very powerful too. If you're an adult that was raised in a toxic environment and you need this kind of help, this book will help you 100% but I also want the listeners to keep in mind: if you have a stepchild or a child that is suffering from a toxic parent or family member, you also need to read this book because we need to all figure out a way how to help these children so that they don't turn into adults that are needing the help. We want to we want to get ahead of that. Um, mm-hmm. But so, what I really like to know, Sherry, is how do we really, really know if someone is? toxic. I know your situation was very, very clear. Um, well, it probably wasn't actually now that I no, think about it, not, it probably not, took yeah. you a while to get there. But when I was reading about your situation in the book, mm-hmm. to me as an outsider, I was like, wow, that is, that is really, really toxic. But there are some people that it's even more of a gray area
1: where mm-hmm. people really aren't sure. So how do we define that? How do we know? So it's, it, so my mother is that way. My mother is, is covertly tar- toxic. My father is obviously toxic, right? But uh, my, my mother is very charming. She runs charities. Um, she's very well-known in the, the place that we grew up. And, um, you know, outside of the multiple marriages she had, um, she appears to be very lovable. And I would hear, I love your mom. And I would wow. just be like, oh, my God. Okay, seriously? Like, okay, so then it has to be me. It has to be me. There has to be something wrong with me. And it took me 40, she's 45 years. So it took a long time. So what helped me to look at the difference is that I, although I cannot prove a tone of voice or a look of disgust on her face, um, I knew that with persistency and consistency, she was provoking me and making me angry and then calling me an abuser. Mm. Okay, so I did not figure this out young and um, children that are very young want just to love their parents. To see their parents as flawed is horrifyingly scary because we are dependent on them. We want to see them as superheroes. And so we discount and we just push away what we see that's bad and we try to change ourselves to try to continue to be better. So we take on the "I will be good, so that she will be better."
0: Wow! Mm-hmm.
1: So let's
0: talk about that a little bit about about how do we help the children? So so children, whether they um, have a, a bio parent that's toxic, or um, you know if so if let's let's put it this way if i'm an adult and my ex is toxic it's not mm-hmm. my case i'm just saying then i'm worried about my own child right but when stepchildren come in it could be our partner's ex who is toxic and then there we have our stepchild who's suffering so what i want to know is How can we help the children, especially if they're going to be around that parent on a regular basis, right? Because we can't, like you said, we can't always prove that that parent is toxic and we can't stop the children from having to visit with that parent. And sometimes we see what's going on, but we can't
1: prevent the damage. So what do we do? What can we do? Well, I have both of those situations. So let me talk about the first one. My ex-husband is toxic. And, um, what I did when my daughter for her first 14 years was by law made to spend time with him, I made her a little self-love booklet (laughs) that I would send with her for her to read. And I would do what it's called a transitional object. I would either give her a piece of me to take with her like jewelry, a shirt, something. Um, or, um, when she would say, daddy does this and daddy is like that. I would say, yes, you're right. He is, and that is not parent alienation because I am only bringing to her what her gut feelings are telling her and I'm validating her. I am not in any way telling her not to see him. I'm not cursing about him. I'm not asking her to believe lies about him. I don't bring him up. But when she would bring him up to me and state facts about him, I would tell her, yes, that is how your daddy is. He is that way because if what happened to me was I would say, this is going on and people would go, I know, but she didn't mean it that way. She's your mom. She loves you. Okay. So, so I was like spun, right? No one validated me. So then I doubted my own perception of reality. And what I never did with my daughter is I never wanted her to doubt her perception of reality. And what I want for her in her future is that when a, a person approaches her life and she is picking up on things in her gut, I don't want her to go, well, he's probably really nice. And then she ends up harmed. So when my daughter would bring up things about her father that bothered her and they were true factual things, I would tell her, yes, daddy is that way. You're right. And then we would try to discuss ways for her to cope with that or to communicate with him about that. And uh, to no avail did her communication work. But knowing it wasn't her, that she wasn't the problem, did help her cope. In the other scenario, the man in my life right now has a toxic ex and they're raising two boys. And it's a very hard dynamic to come into. One, I have to deal with parenting I don't like. Hmm. and habits in these children that are challenging and, um, and uh, his challenges that he faces with her on a daily basis. So um, I think that we need to, as stepmoms, be not forced to warm up to someone else's children. We need to be given the space to do that on our own. I feel that we need to be understood as those children aren't innately ours, so we are not going to have the same unconditional love for them that we have for our own child. And then that opens up this space for friendship. And I think when we can develop a friendship with our uh, stepchildren, um, it opens the door to a relationship that is not bound by obligation, but by choice. And I find that to be more successful because they're not feeling pressured to love me and then having loyalty conflicts with the mother who is toxic right? and then feeling guilt or whatever, let's say if they like us better, especially if someone makes us in the mom position, uh, which I will not put myself in. I will be their really good friend, their mentor, their guide. They have a mom and toxic or not i respect that that's their mother and they are going to be the very safest in their relationship with their mother and me with me being their friend Mm -hmm. so as they are having friendship with me All of us get to choose how much time we spend together and how much time we don't want to spend together. There's no pressure. And I find when the pressure's off that uh, children open up a lot more easily. Um, His children will openly share with me experiences they have at home. And what I do to be careful that it doesn't go back in the wrong way is I will just say, I get it. I am Mm -hmm. so sorry that you're having that experience. That must feel horrible so that i'm not going against anyone but i'm still meeting them in their pain i'm not saying well toughen up or you know what she's your mom maybe if you just do this differently she'll act differently because she won't and uh it's blended families are really challenging um I was raised in, my parents were married four times each, so I was raised in all kinds of different blends. Wow, that is something Yeah, right there in itself.
0: And that that actually speaks a lot probably to the fact that they were toxic because they got married so many times, they probably couldn't keep a relationship. That's very interesting. So Mm -hmm. how old were you with all of these marriages? Was this like your whole
1: life or was it- My life. Wow. No, my whole life. Um, I would say the majority of all the marrying stopped by the time I was 18. And then my mother got into a relationship with a man uh, who she's currently with. Of course, she accuses him of, of being abusive. And, you know, uh, that's her story. And I, and I definitely think he's toxic. Um, but they function to toxic people together, which is interesting because that usually doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I think it has a lot to do with age and desires not to be alone uh, at this point in their lives. But yeah, yeah I yeah. went through so much change between four and um, between four and 10, it was sort of crazy. Um, well, Sherry, it's, it's unbelievable. It, it is, yeah. they, they are very defining years
0: and it's really unbelievable because I know... From just my own blended family now, Sean and I have been together for twelve years now, or a little bit over. So it was only, our kids only had to go through that change one time, and just that one time was quite enough, right? Because there wow. were so many changes as it was, and it's hard to blend a family in general just one time. I can't imagine you having to go through that four times, and then on both sides too. Both sides. That is un believable unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah. um so i'm glad that we're talking because clearly you know what you're talking about and you've really you're very experienced how old are your kids now and your stepchildren
1: so my daughter is 14 she just turned and um she's made the choice to uh no longer have uh, custodial time with her dad which i'm supporting um and my stepchildren well i'm not married but i've been with my boyfriend for three years and um they are nine and 11 and they're both boys. So I know that the hardest time for any change or major tragedy to happen in a boy's life is exactly between the ages of nine and 11. And therefore I will not take our relationship to the next level until they are through those ages because I don't want to be a contributing change in their life between those ages
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I imagine it's very different helping children through this process with a toxic parent. It's probably very different from elementary school age. And then also with teenagers. With teenagers, would you say Mm -hmm. that it's a little bit harder? I would imagine
1: that it is, but maybe I'm wrong. I think for boys and girls, it's actually different. Uh, boys, again, those ages between nine and 11, it's all through the research. Um, Uh, big time ego development for boys, the healthy ego, you know, the the ability to say no um, is, is huge. A major change in there has these effects later in life that are pretty traumatic for boys um, in terms of knowing who they are and being able to be centered. Um, My daughter uh, and my boyfriend have a very special, very unique connection that I don't yet share with his children. Um, But my daughter is, is, just in a place of readiness I think for that connection from him and he's very passive which I think she enjoys and so I think if we were to blend together for her right now it would be absolutely fine Um, as far as Scott but I don't know what it would be like for her yet with with sharing a life with the boys, you know? So the way that I look at Scott and I is that we have all the time in the world to get to our destiny. Um, as long as we're patient and mindful and loving of our children and putting them first, then, you know, we have a good chance. There's an 80% divorce rate on second marriages and it's largely due to blending family and children.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh my gosh, I have so many questions and it's just, I have so many questions. Okay. So the next thing I wanted to know um, is that you actually dedicated three chapters to toxic parents. Now I know there's other chapters in the book and there's other kind of toxic people, but you have one chapter just about Toxic parents. And then you have a chapter specifically for mothers and specifically for fathers, toxic mothers and toxic fathers. So, um, and I know you do that for a reason because it's very different. Can Mm -hmm. you, and I know there's a lot more and listeners, I, I strongly encourage everybody to go get this book, but for now, maybe you can just mention a few of the differences between the toxic mother and the toxic father.
1: I would say the biggest difference is that, and, and this is just stereotyped because, as I put in my book, there are certainly mothers who physically abuse and rage and, and, and act tyrannical. But typically, the toxic mother is very much um, passive aggressive, where, um, like, I knew that I was fake loved. Uh, you know, the way that I feel loving my daughter and the way I feel her receiving my love, I did not have that with my mom. It was like she loved me because she had to. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't genuine love although I believe she did feel that way for my brother Um, she did not for me and because I had a comparison to how she loved him I, I always thought there was some awful flaw in me But when my mother um is she's women are more snide You know, like one time she said to me don't worry, honey. Someone will marry you <laughs> And I, and and so I can't prove the tone of voice and she hurt me and it stung and i'm like Why would you say something like that? she's like, what? I'm just trying to support you. Ugh. Okay. So now I'm head spun and moms do that. And then if you really get a toxic mother, um, really caught, she tends at, at her last resort to just fall down in a soggy, weepy mess of how she's so bad and she can't say anything right. And now if you don't forgive this hurt person, you're bad again. So you just can't win with a toxic mother. Um, She's just a little bit more covert than the toxic father. So, for the toxic fathers, there's really two types. Um, there's our, you know, pop psychology, uh, tyrannical father, which is what I had, very Jekyll Hyde. One minute it's fun, and the next minute it's a nightmare. Um, and then we have a passive father who's equally as afraid of our toxic mother as we are. And so he does not do anything to protect us, he's doing stuff to help further her abuse by, to protect himself s- saying things like, well, don't be loud when your mom comes home. You know what I mean? Cause he's just trying to abate conflict. Um, and so we don't have either parent there for us really. And he doesn't have a full life cause he's living under her direction. Then we model that and we have an over embellishing father too the one who doesn't love, but gives money. Mm-hmm. And, uh, those ones are, you know, kind of famous for, uh, um, Raising the uh, toxic adult child, which is also a um, you know the millennial sort of child that's very spoiled, that I talk about as well in the book.
0: Yeah, and I actually that was my next. That's where I was going to next. I wanted to talk about that, and I know this didn't happen to you, and I'm I'm very impressed with the way that you were raised, and then the way that you came out on the other end as a very, very successful woman with her head on. And I know that you've had a journey to get there and I know it wasn't easy for you, but is it, is it typical that children who are raised by toxic parents to become toxic adults themselves or is that not
1: very common? It, it, it's split in two. So the way that I, I look at it is there's a scapegoat and there's a golden child if there's more than one child, Okay. Uh, The golden child can do no wrong uh, What 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 he gets away with the scapegoat gets punished for um, And so there's that dynamic the scapegoat tends to be the empath And tends to be the one who is very sensitive and is often called too sensitive as I was uh, Or dramatic um, Where the golden child seems like water off a duck's back and you know that one ends up being toxic and narcissistic Um, They become very identified with being a star they become very identified with having what they want when they want it They tend to not be loyal lovers as husbands. They tend to be very jekyll-hyde with their children And so that golden child has a host of their own issues that make them similar to the toxic parent The empath like me or other scapegoats is we don't fit in at all Um, And that was of great pain for us young, but we end up being really sensitive and really searching answers. I mean, I was searching therapy. I was trying everything to find why I was so bad because I did believe that there had to have been something wrong with me. Um, uncovering that has taken, you know, a lifetime. Um, and then if you have an only child, um, you you tend to raise another golden child, you know, um, or you didn't want the child and then you just ignore it. You know, so kids who get too much or get too little end up toxic. This is
0: so interesting. It really, truly is. Wow. Okay. So how do we stop that cycle from repeating? If we do have children that have a toxic parent and we're trying to help them as the non-toxic parent, how do we stop
1: that cycle from repeating? So we have to, again, just make sure that we're always living in reality, right? I mean, we cannot heal from a lie. Mm-hmm. I, I, I did try that. <laughs> um, I liked the lie of my family much better than the reality to pretend that they were good and they actually loved me was something I did for a long time and I just could never heal because it just continued my abuse. So again when our children are pointing out things about their toxic parent that you know is toxic and hurting them, you have to validate that yes that is true and they'll say well why does mommy or daddy do that? Then you have to explain, you know, they are different. They don't they 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 don't care the same way other people do. Unfortunately, we have to follow laws, right? We have to follow laws. And so one thing my daughter would say is, well, when can I make a choice? And I would let her know in California, is 14. And so she'd count down the years. Um, to help them heal is, is to give them at least an environment where they feel loved and normal so that when they go back to the poisonous environment, they have something different to think about and to be hopeful for that their time over there is temporary until they can come back. You know to the other one because unfortunately we can try and talk to our toxic ex Until we're blue in the face and point out their wrongs and they're above reproach and they'll just shift it right back onto us So it's hopeless. We can't change their parent And um, but we can educate our kids on what toxic is and what it looks like and I would always tell my daughter, this is going to make you very strong one day because at least you know now you'll have less trouble later. So finding the positive way to reframe it can make it have meaning, meaning for that child. And they can be in that toxic environment and believe the other parent that they aren't bad. Yeah, that's that's really wonderful. And I would even suggest to
0: the child who's a little bit older, um, that they also read this book because, you know, when I was reading it, I was like, I need, there was people that I need to show this to, I'll just say that there's definitely people that I want to read this book. Um, now let's say that a blended family comes together Mm -hmm. and I'm asking you this question because this happens all the time. I get emails about this on the regular that a blended family comes together and let's say the children are already grown and Mm -hmm one or more of those children are toxic. And, and what we see happening is that those children do not approve of the parents' relationship. Let's say they're, you know, 18 to even 25 and sometimes even older, and they cause problems for their parents starting out this new relationship. Um, do you have any advice? How do we deal with toxic adult children that are trying
1: to ruin our new relationship? Well, the only way to deal with that is not going to be an answer that's going to be user-friendly because it's not what people want to hear because it's painful, but you essentially have to set the property lines around this is our relationship. And if you cannot be honoring and respectful of it, then you are not welcome. Yeah. Unfortunately, when we have toxic adult children, I dated a man whose daughter was basically his pseudo wife, and I was the mistress, <laughs> and oh. and she destroyed the relationship oh. because he had the tail was wagging the dog, and the moment he set a boundary on her, she abandoned him, and um, they had a pretty traumatic loss of the mother when 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 the uh, when his daughter was two, the mother passed away um, unexpectedly. But um, he did not do a good job raising her. He raised the spawn of Satan. I mean, this girl is next level. And the only way that she will ever grow is to get away from the toxic dynamics she shares with her father Mm -hmm. because she is still, he raised a little girl. He didn't raise a woman. Wow. Okay so they you may for a temporary time need to set up no contact boundaries unless the appropriate behavior can come around and they can know um, when you can come around and and treat this relationship with respect you're welcome but if you can't you're not welcome
0: Yeah, and I would agree with that. I mean, you 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 don't just because it's your family does not mean that anybody needs to take abuse and needs to stay in a relationship that is toxic. And so, um, no contact. And I know you have, I think, a whole chapter in the book dedicated to having no contact, where you lay all that out. Um, Have you seen
1: that to be very beneficial for people? I have seen it to be nearly the cure. Yeah. Um, because I tried everything, Melissa, I tried low contact. I tried high contact. I tried cordial contact. The problem with toxic people is that they, they don't like anything gray, you know, they're emotionally immature and they see the world in black and white terms. And so anytime they sense a pulling away or it's gray, they will provoke it back into being toxic um and at the end of the day most of us don't end up making the choice to cut ties with our toxic family members they typically cut us off first and then mm-hmm. i just chose to stop mending fences but yes. when you started to do her separation abuse that is when and there was no apology there was no acknowledging of, of what had happened then i just decided to block delete and remove
0: Yeah. Well, you have a chapter in the book, uh, chapter nine, to be specific, and it's called hoovering. And Mm -hmm. I know that, well, I'd like for you to explain it because I know it's, it's, you were just talking about that when you tried minimal contact,
1: what happens? What happens with hoovering? Okay. So hoovering is separate abuse Hoover like the Hoover vacuum cleaner uh, they do things to suck you in in other words you've cut ties you haven't spoken uh, they cut you off you know however that works and all of a sudden you get a Christmas present out of nowhere there's been six months of no contact and then the Christmas present shows up this has happened to me and my card said I love you always and forever and Awfully strange considering we don't speak, that you love me always forever. And then it said, Whenever you're ready to come back, my arms are open. So here she is, the good guy again. And now she sent me a gift. Okay. the gift isn't real. It isn't for me. It's for her and her billboard to say, I try, I try. And she's just so stubborn that she won't accept my gifts or whatever her mindset is. And it it adds to her smear campaign and it adds to her victimology about how abusive I am as her daughter. And at the end of the day, there was no apology in that card. There was nothing. What do I need to do to make it right? I miss you uh, so much, here's a check, let's go to therapy, nothing. It was as if nothing happened between us ever. Uh, I was tempted to send it back and then I got a hold of myself. Um, any reaction that you give them, gives them something to talk about. So, so many of my patients will say, I'm gonna send it back and then she'll, with a note that says, I don't want your presence until you know blah, blah, blah happens and I'm like, no. Don't do that because now they have evidence of how abusive you are. If you do nothing, they can do nothing. And it's working through the, it's like a drive-by shooting when that stuff, you know, happens uh, in the toxic family. So uh, a family trust was manipulated against me recently and it's been three years post no contact. They would rather starve me uh, into coming back than just say they're sorry. So all of that stuff just isn't real. Um, if they miss you and they love you then you would hear from them on on uh, the 363 other days of the year that aren't just Your birthday or christmas when those days serve to make them look good by sending a card If they send it on march 10th, it doesn't there's no holiday. They can't look good See so it's tricky and you need to be really attuned to what you want for yourself Um, sometimes they'll send photos one year. Every present was about being a mother (laughs) um (laughs) She sent me a broken statue of a mother swinging around a daughter. Um, Well, that's not impactful. I don't know what is. (laughs) Yeah. One to be cryptic and the other that it's broken, then I would have to contact her to have it fixed. So I put it in the trash um, and then you deal with the hurt. There's always a sting after that happens. Um, We didn't lose a sock. We lost our family and they're still being abusive and it's confusing abuse other people may look at the things that she's done and go, Oh, look, she's trying, but you know, better,
0: but you know, better, we know better. better. Well, I'm really glad that you wrote that chapter on hoovering because that is very common and it's very, very confusing. And especially if you're young, you know, at least as an adult, you can recognize what it is and, and you're an expert, but I know that it's very confusing, especially for kids getting sucked back in and not really knowing. And and you want your parents love so much Mm -hmm. that you're almost willing to chase after it. And, uh, Wow. So moving forward, Sherry, what, what can what is your recommendation for somebody to do? Obviously therapy is, is helpful, right? Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. And then you say cutting contact. Cutting contact. Just to remind people, um, no contact or cutting ties has nothing to do with hate. And unfortunately our society, uh, doesn't support us in that. They, they view that as hateful or immature. Um, it's really just self-care and self-protection. I don't hate my family members. I don't like them, but I don't hate them. I'm not seeking revenge or retaliation. Not that I haven't had daydreams about it, but I'm not seeking it by going no contact. I just want peace. I want freedom and I want peace. And so it's very easy to say no contact. Um, it is much harder to do until we get used to it. Um And as you get used to it, you heal. The aftermath, I actually just finished my second. I finished part two of this book two days ago uh, because I needed a part two. I wasn't long enough into the aftermath to really know exactly what I was going to get. And I didn't have any leaders to follow. So I kind of pioneered this one on my own. Um, And I've learned a lot about hoovering, especially secondary abusers or flying monkeys, messengers they send in. Family trust came kind of out of nowhere and taking care of ourselves is, is just remaining no contact. We, we do that. It's a boundary. We want to keep the good in and, and get the bad out. And uh, family members, unfortunately, can be bad. And when they are, we have every right to get the bad out. And there's nothing mean or cruel about that.
0: No, I agree. You have to protect yourself. And if that means cutting off the contact, then that's what you do. Let me ask you this. What happens if somebody, what's the danger in just saying, you know what? I'm just going to ignore this whole thing. I'm going to pretend that I'm not hurt. I'm going to pretend that I wasn't raised by toxic parents or in a toxic environment. I'm not going to take care of myself. What have you seen? What kind of damage have you seen in people that choose Mm. to not
1: heal themselves? Addiction. Addiction. Uh, anger problems, uh, not knowing who they are, constantly editing every word, deed, and action that comes out of their mouth, pleasing people, never saying no, putting their relationships into huge karmic debt, never getting a return on their investments, no confidence, no self-worth, and... Um, just feeling like there's something so flawed about them, but they don't know what it is. And so they can't fix it, but they're afraid that anyone who loves them is going to somehow figure it out. Huge fears of abandonment, you know, just self-loathing, lack of self-acceptance. It's just miserable. It's so miserable to live that way. I have lived that way. The anxiety that I would live with was just horrible. I couldn't sleep. Um, because i was constantly swallowing self-doubt just drowning in it and people had a hard time understanding why and i couldn't explain it so not healing this never allows you to be authentic you never get to be you you never even get to discover who you are because you're so busy trying to be in this audition (laughs) for parental love and acceptance and i see people do this all the way until their parents die Wow. And have you ever seen anybody
0: actually heal themselves and then turn around and be able to continue a relationship with the toxic person because they themselves can handle it different? Or have you pretty much seen that the
1: tie, the ties need to be cut? It all depends on the level of toxicity. Okay. Um, because I think toxic is sort of like any, you know, diagnosis out there is on a continuum or, you know, there's mild, moderate, severe, um, There are people that have I've seen that I don't know that I would say that it was healed uh, And I don't think i've ever seen anyone healed I do believe will be healing for the rest of our lives Um, but there have been people that have tolerated been able to tolerate a more mildly toxic parent um To their deathbed but were very relieved when they passed and they still had all the guilt and all the Habit creating behaviors of being around that even mildly toxic person of still having to not be themselves. So um, I think it depends too on what people can tolerate in their own value system inside themselves. That's that's great
0: advice. Yeah. So for the listeners, um, we're approaching the end of the interview, but this book is unbelievable. I very strongly encourage everybody to go get a copy. And again, it's called but It's Your Family, Cutting Ties with Toxic Family Members and Loving Yourself in the Aftermath. Sherry, what is the greatest piece of advice that you can leave my listeners today if they've been raised in a toxic environment or if they know someone? What is something that they can implement right away?
1: Boundaries. Boundaries. Boundaries start to start to contemplate your, your property lines. You know, I always believe that when we, uh, set our boundaries, that we are doing this out of self-care, they're scary to set, but they're so well worth it. Um, and they don't have to be extreme. They don't have to be no contact. Again, it took me 45 years. I tried everything, try everything, try everything so that, you know, I knew when I was done, Melissa, I knew it wasn't our worst interaction either but it was the, the final stone that got put on top of all the other ones that finally broke the bag. So um, try everything, unturn every stone, read, research, uh, whatever you can. But when you love yourself, your life will shift.
0: That's wonderful, wonderful well, advice. And
1: I agree with it. Sherry, how can my listeners reach you? Well, they can go to my website, which is uh, sherrycampbellphd.com and Sherry is S-H-E-R-R-I-E since there's so many ways to spell that name. Um, And I actually blog, I'm the most active on my Facebook following and um, that's just facebook.com sherrycampbellphd. And I blog every day. I give free therapy and I do free uh, videos on Thursdays. I give three minutes of free therapy. I know that coming out, Uh, of a toxic family, you don't even want them to know you're in therapy because they're so predatory. So it's a nice place for people to come and connect and connect with each other. And you can be anonymous if you want and you get free therapy because further people can't afford therapy, some of them. And do you have any children that visit your group or is it mostly all adults? When I look at the age ranges and I can see my demographics, I have people as young as 16. Good, good, good. That's but, that's but, but they're not the majority. You know, the majority of of my people are uh, probably thirty and up. And I think the reason why is development is at thirty. You know, uh, we're an adult now. We 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 pull back from society. We think about raising children, having children, creating a family in the twenties and you know younger. We're partying. So I think at thirty, uh, people start to become more aware. The brain stopped growing at 25. So, there's a, they've had five years to process past, present, and future, and what their childhood meant. So, I think that's why it's like 30 and up is the most common. But I do have some people on there that are much younger.
0: Yeah. And I would encourage the listeners, if you do have teenagers that are going through this or young adults, you know, send them over. I'm going to include all of Sherry's links in the show notes for you. So, you can refer to it later if you can't write them down right now. And, Just get this book. That's all I have to say. Get this book. Read this book. Give one to somebody that you know and love. In fact, I'm giving away a copy at the end of the show. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Sherry, thank you so much for your time today and coming on. And I definitely want you to come back when book two is released. Would love to. I would
1: love to. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you.
0: I hope that you enjoyed that conversation I had with Dr. Sherry Campbell. And as promised, we have a giveaway today. Again, anyone who is a member of the list automatically gets entered to win these monthly giveaways. So today we're giving away a copy of Dr. Sherry's book called But It's Your Family, Cutting Ties with Toxic Family Members and Loving Yourself in the Aftermath. I have the book in my hand right now. Uh, It is... A wonderful book. I really enjoyed it. I found it to be very useful. And I've recommended it already to so many people. And um, it's even good to let kids read, not not young children, of course, but if you've got some older uh, teenagers, maybe, or adult children that are struggling with a toxic parent, it is an excellent read for that. So the winner today is going to be Kelly Olivia at gmail.com. I don't know. I don't have a full name here for you. I'm assuming uh, Kelly or Olivia. I don't know. But I will certainly email you with instructions on how to get that book in your hands. And again, if anyone else wants an opportunity to win, you can simply join blendedfamilypodcast.com slash subscribe. I hope to see you there. And we'll be back next week with another show. Bye.